Wildcats to another edition of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoops Show. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. Uh, I want to remind folks that we're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Missed my quip. I don't care. Let's move on, man. Uh, this week, we have uh, the Signpost's own Emily Miller with us. Emily, how are you doing? It's been a while since we've had you on Weber State Weekly. It has been a while. School has been pretty busy for me, but with the semester starting, I was able to come back and I had to reschedule my Christmas trip home. Oh, man. So didn't get to go to uh, Southern California, right? Correct. Oh, man. Rough time of year. Although, though, I'll admit, I was just in Utah. The weather was weird. Had a lot of rain around Christmas time. Strange. I think it was rainy there, too, so I really didn't miss much. Yeah. Good. And then uh, another face we haven't seen in a while, John King on the show tonight. John, how are you doing, man? It's been a while as well. Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. And 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 the last thing that I rescheduled, um, and I haven't gone back, I rescheduled a dentist appointment about two years ago and haven't been to the dentist since. <laughs> oh, man. Same. Same. I really need to fix that. Uh, okay, well, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, because the game on Saturday got rescheduled, so um, we're going to be doing something different. But first, before we do that, we have a player interview. We got freshman forward Dyson Kohler on with us tonight uh, to talk a little bit about his journey from Draper to San Luis Obispo and now to Ogden uh, to play, play for the Wildcats. Uh, then we'll have a midseason review, uh, which should have been the the midway point on Saturday if, if we hadn't had a reschedule in the Idaho State program. Would have been the midway point. So we're going to talk with our panel a little bit about uh, how they see the the Wildcats thus far. And then I've got a game prepared for them. We're going to play buy and sell. Got some scenarios for them and we're going to see if our panel would buy them or if they'd sell them and why. Before we get into that, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, you'll find Weber State Weekly. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. Um, there's also a great Facebook group. If you're not a member of that, go find Weber State fans on Facebook. Uh, that's where all the Wildcat fans are congregating. I think we're at 1,100 in there now. Can you guys believe that? Just crazy. And then finally, Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to support our work. All right, guys. Now let's uh, take a little bit of time. Let's talk to freshman forward, Dyson Kohler. Dyson, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly, man. Thank you for having. Me. Yeah, sorry. A uh, little uh, little pregame chat before we got started, but we wanted to appreciate you for sticking around and chatting with us here. And so, Dyson, let's let's dive into it, man. Let's talk a little bit about your journey because uh, originally from Draper, gone to Jordan High School, uh, and then decided got an offer from Cal Poly, great place to go to college down in San Luis Obispo. It's always everyone's favorite trip to make for football games. So you decided to go down there and become a Mustang. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, about getting recruited and ultimately deciding to go to Southern California. I decided, uh, the education is yeah. education, academic school. And also I just to be more into it. Uh, it's always been, at some point in my life that was an opportunity and decided to take it yeah i can't blame you there because like i said a fantastic place to go to college i mean really smart school um spent uh, a year played your covid year down there and then decided to come on back to ogden well come back to utah but then decided ultimately to come to ogden so talk to us a little bit about uh what was a part of that decision to to say all right i'm coming back to utah 
and I'm going to go to Weber State. Talk to us a little bit about that journey and how you settled on Ogden as the place where you wanted to play your career. Talking to the coaches prior, uh, he recruited. So just talk. They had a lot of confidence in me and. be a wildcat. Yeah. John, Emily, questions for Dyson? Uh, So was it that Cal Poly didn't work out or Weber had something better for you to offer, better for, to offer to you? Sure, both. I mean, Cal Poly, and, but I also, a lot of confidence and I felt that I I just wanted to play and I just wanted to go experience family again so also with COVID you know I didn't really get to I didn't get to see them for a whole year wanted to come back and experience that what was it about those um initial, you know, recruiting conversations that you had with Coach Ray that really sold you on uh, wanting to come and, you know, play your career here at Weber State? Um, that he saw how I'm playing the best again, but he still had a lot of confidence in me. And I have a lot of trust in you. And I know that you I was really disappointed, like how Polly with. I just didn't feel like myself. Understandable, of course, when you're not getting the shots you want, things aren't falling, you know, you're far from home. Obviously, COVID, a complicating factor in all of that, um, ultimately made the decision, like I said, to uh, become a Wildcat, come on home, play for play in front of your, your family again, which I'm sure they've been up a bunch, had the opportunity to drive up from Draper, see you play at the D, um, played a bunch of in-state teams this year. And so got to see you against some of the, the local talent. No doubt you've played against some, some, some buddies, I'm sure. Um, but now I wanted to ask you, Dyson, I mean, you've had a little bit of time now. The Wildcats are, like we said, at the top of the show are about halfway through the season. And one of the things I think that has shown from your game thus far is, uh, man, I mean, you are a great shooter. (laughs) You're currently shooting 46% from two and 30. It's like 37.9%, it's 38% from three. I mean, shooting a a key piece of your game when you were in high school, or is that something you've kind of developed over the last couple of years? Because pretty good at it. Life and towards the mid-range post and I was doing mid-range short corners uh, came along just started developing more of a three-point shot um, and so I just and, and just not really kind of dribbles just being fun and shooting is just been something that I just locked up. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, Emily or John, a question for Dyson as we go through here. Yeah, Dyson, um, you know, I think one of the, one of your best games so far this year was the game against Montana State where you were three for three from beyond the arc and had 11 points. Um, what was it about, about that, you know, the matchup, the game, you know, in general, where it seemed like you felt really, really comfortable out on the floor. So what was it about that specific game that you, that made you kind of feel you know, like it was going to be a good night for you out on the court. Um, we hit a rough patch, uh, a lot of tough games. Yeah. Confident. I was still confident that we, we, so as soon as the game started, it was back at a lot of foul and it was just kind of, you know, up. And just didn't really lose. I mean, it's hard to, you know, I didn't lose focus and my teammates, they trusted in me and I just delivered. Yeah, definitely a really tough opponent in Montana State. You know, that's a tough roadie to make, uh, especially right there after going through that tough patch, like you said, Dyson, um, losing some really key games to some some good teams, right? Losing to Wazoo, losing to Brigham Young, Utah State, Fresno, all good teams. Um, and so just kind of a rough skid there, but an opportunity to get back on track, even against some tough opponents. So, you know, I said, I think at the top of the at the beginning of the conference season that I think that Montana and Montana state are both going to be, you know, probably top four or maybe top five teams. And so it was uh, really interesting to see you guys go up there to the brick up in Bozeman and, and get the dub against a really physical team, you know, Jabril Bello, who I'm sure you got uh, uh, front row seats to a really physical player, but, like you said, you guys found a way to to right the ship that night against a, a really good team and come out with another conference dub. Really impressed with that turnaround and the ability to you guys to kind of answer after a really, really tough stretch. Emily, you got one more question for uh, Dyson? Um, I mean, maybe just kind of adding on to what you were saying. Were you playing at any Montana school, they always bring the crowds. Do you think that amped you up even more just playing in front of all those people going against you? Or do you not really let that affect you during the game? Cause the Montana crowds are definitely some of your toughest crowds, I would say. Yeah. Um, I enjoy playing in front of opposing crowds. It, it up and it just makes me in the scheme of th- on the back of the head of my head that they're there lose and i just want to prove wrong and just show that (laughs) there is and can't give us any openings yeah totally fair man um last question i want to ask you here dyson was um We talk a lot about Coach Ray on the show, of course, and his leadership. Coach Ray is a staple at Weber State, you know, an institution, the winningest coach in Big Sky history. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about some of the assistants that work for him, because I know, you you know, you mentioned earlier that it was an assistant that, you know, had had their eye on you and had tried to recruit you. 
um, before your decision to go to Cal Poly. And then, of course, that relationship is ultimately, you know, one that was a deciding factor in you coming to Ogden from San Luis Obispo. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about that. You know, who's helped you develop and get better thus far? You know, the assistants that you have opportunities to work with. Talk to us a little bit about them and about how their their coaching and, and their mentorship has helped you improve already uh, in, a, in, in a young career as a Wildcat. Assistant coaches have helped me. Uh, they're really open, easy to talk to. If I have a question, I just ask them and they, they give me a direct answer. And uh, is the one that I gravitate towards. Uh, he's the one that I've known the longest. And he's just an awesome dude. Uh, and he just pushes me to where I can possibly be. Emily or John, any parting questions for Dyson before we let him go here? Um, D- Dyson, I did want I did want to ask what 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 you thought. Um, I mean, we we talk about a lot on this show. I mean, you know, traditionally in this conference, the two best teams have been Montana um, uh, uh, and Weber State, and so that's always been a huge huge rivalry. So, just what was your it, it was a it was a very testy game up in Missoula. I think that there was a lot of questionable officiating, especially down the, <laughs> the stretch. But like, what was your what, since that was the most recent game? What what was kind of your first taste like um, playing a game in that rivalry? Um, it was awesome. the game I just heard like right before we walked out of the crowd was it uh, there's a few guys uh talking the bench was talking and I can't wait <laughs> my man I can't wait till you guys play him again either, because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be big, especially, you know, that, that last second bucket to, uh, to get them the dub. Um, I think that, you know, talking to your teammate, JJ Overton last week, a little bit about that. And uh, I think that the Wildcats will be ready when, when the Grizz make their, make their sojourn down to the D. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, Emily, any last questions for Dyson before we let him go here? Nope. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Dyson want to thank you so much, man, for taking some time chat with us here on Weber state weekly. Um, uh, we'll be rooting for you guys as you take on the vandals on Thursday night. Uh, unfortunately the Saturday game has been moved to later in the month because of COVID issues within the Eastern Washington program. Hope those guys are okay up there, but, uh, looking forward to seeing you guys, um, suit up one more time against the vandals on Thursday night at the D. Yeah, thank you, man. All right. Well, folks, uh, really good opportunity to talk to Dyson. A uh, little bit tough on the on the on the connection there, but you know, it sounds like a good kid who absolutely loves to get in the mix and you know be a part of of what's going on there, man. Because <laughs> I mean, the way he talked about how he wanted to play Montana, he's like, I can't wait to play him again. Like that's what I want to hear. 
Can't wait. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's talk now about uh, it should be about midseason. Like I said, if we had played the game on Saturday against Idaho State, the way the, the schedule had uh, played out, uh, the Wildcats would be right there around 16 games. And there would be about 16 games remaining in the schedule. Uh, that's obviously a little bit messed up now because of COVID. Uh, once again, uh, Idaho State ended up having to reschedule that game because of COVID issues within their program. Hope all those guys are okay. Everybody makes it through. Um, look forward to playing them. Uh, I think the, the next game is going to be in Pocatello. But let's talk a little bit about this midseason because now we're at the midway point, roughly. And um, we've seen a fair, a fair bit of basketball from this team uh, thus far. Wildcats certainly currently sit at 10 and five after an eight, no start. So I want to just kind of get your initial reactions. I've seen a lot. What stands out to you thus far in, you know, in the season as we get into conference play, Emily Miller, I want to start with you. Um, trying to think of the last game I was able to watch them play up at the D and, uh, I think it was, I can't remember who went first. I think USU went first and then BYU. Yeah. Those are tough games to play at all. But even I feel like harder when you're at home and there's still just as many fans for the opposing team. Yeah. And even though they lost, I think their willingness to just come back and keep playing. And then even when games, when they do win, it's their ability to come back from those, uh, from behind and be able to come back and win those games as well. It's just their willingness to persist. Yeah. I mean, I think that I went to the Utah state game. It was the first game, like right as soon as we got back to Utah I was uh, planning on that game it was a big game and um, definitely felt like the team was trying. It's not like they ever, ever gave up, you know, they just, Utah State just kept hitting timely threes to kind of keep that lead. Anytime the Wildcats would make a run at them, you know, just a couple of threes would put them back to where they were, but they kept trying to push the boulder up the hill. John, I mean, like I said, midway point now, we've seen a fair bit of Wildcat basketball. Uh, what's what stood out to you uh, as we hit the midway point? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is that the Wildcats are 100% at their best when they go small. Um, the small ball lineup with playing Dylan Jones at the five, in my opinion, is the best lineup um, uh, that the Wildcats have. I mean, you look at some of the bigs um, between, you know, Cody Carlson and Alex Chu. Um, it, it's been up and down um, from from them from from them this year, and um, it has been a little bit of a struggle at, at times with you know both of them on the floor, um, uh, but when when Dylan Jones slots into that uh, and into that center position it really really opens up the offense number one because he is a really he's a better creative player than I think he gets credit for I I, yeah. I, I don't think that we 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 talk a lot about the rebounding we talk you know um, uh, we talk about his scoring but he does a really good job of like posting up uh, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit outside the block, drawing double teams and then throwing, you know, and then, and then, you know, throwing the ball to an open teammate. The other thing that um, I think the small ball lineup really, really helps with it. It helps. It, it just helps so much more with the spacing. I mean, a player like JJ Overton, he needs lanes to be able to drive to the basket. He's an incredibly athletic player and that's what his game, I mean, he is a slasher. Like he wants to, he wants to get to the cup and he wants to finish at the rim. And when you have, 
you know, players who have to occupy the paint and kind of clog up the, the middle. It kind of takes that part of his game as well, too. Now, one I guess the the counter argument with is that you that you would go with is that you know when you when you go small you do normally sacrifice you know something on the rebounding side of things but offensively speaking the number one thing that says stood out to me so far is that when this team goes small it's a really really hard combination of people to stop on the offensive end. Yeah, it's a good point, John. Uh, like you said, the fact that you know when when Dylan Jones plays the five, because of course we know about Dylan's rebounding ability. I mean, that's one of the big reasons why he's won three conference players of the week thus far. Dylan, you know, getting lots and lots of double doubles, lots of steals. Obviously, has very active hands, can get the ball away, you know, and get those kinds of deflections uh, that create fast offense. Um, but I think that maybe maybe a little bit underrated is DJ can shoot the three. And that ability to kind of stretch the floor at the in a small ball um, lineup creates those lanes for a, a player like JJ Overturn or even Kobe McEwen, who are very good at you know slashing and getting to the to the basket. And if they're not hitting those shots, you know they're finding their way to the line. And so I think you're right. That small ball lineup has seemed to work well. We've had, I think, you know. I feel like Coach Ray and staff have tried a bunch of different things at at the five this season. We've seen Cody Carlson. We've seen the freshman Alex Chu. We haven't seen very much Dante Bassett yet. Um, and then, of course, like you noted, we've seen Dylan Jones. And so maybe trying some things as we move through the meat of the conference schedule. But yeah, a good point. A small ball and the spacing seems to really work for the Wildcats uh, when they're on. I wanted to ask you guys now a little bit about we made a lot of hay in the beginning of the season talking about who would be the leader of this team because some new faces, especially in the backcourt with transfers in like Kobe McHugh and JJ Overton. But of course we had, you know, returning players like Michael Kozak, Cody Carlson, Dante Bassett, uh, Zaire Porter coming back. And of course, Dylan Jones uh, among other names. And so, we, we weren't quite sure like who's going to be the leader of this team. And so now having seen a half a season of basketball, I don't know, Emily, what do you think? Who is the leader of this team in your view? Uh, truth be told, I could honestly say it's a few people kind of like those names you've mentioned. I could easily yeah. say it's Kobe McEwen. I could easily say it's JJ Overton, but I want it to be somebody who's younger and who can stick around and who can kind of carry on what the people who are ready to leave those seniors onto newer players. So I want to say uh, Dylan Jones is the leader right now. Cause I think he can kind of bring it all together and teach younger and older uh, people on the team, like how the team is playing and how to like keep that flow going. Yeah, man. Because like we've seen, I mean, if you've been paying attention to the women's program, Dylan Jones has spent a lot of time with Darren Hickok and Jade Matthews. And I think that it's paid serious dividends because we've seen a marked improvement in that team. Of course, Coach V has really started to get her system going. Um, and we're seeing a lot of offensive production, especially in the paint from this team. Um, but also you see Dylan Jones. I mean, if you went to the games over the holiday break that were at the D, I mean, they had a long homestand there. So I went to like, I think I went to like three games and uh, DJ was there when they weren't on the road. You know, he was always there. He was sitting front row, encouraging the ladies. You know, there were, if you, if you follow him on social media, you know, they're working together at the D. Uh, I think that Dylan Jones's leadership presence sort of transcends the men's program right now at this time. And, you know, 
we should note that he's a, he's on the, the student uh, athlete advisory committee. He's on the SAC. And so, you know, he comes to volleyball matches. He comes to all of these things. And so I feel like he's really kind of stepped into that role and said, this is what I want to be. And Weber State is definitely a place where if you want to step in and be a leader, you can. That's there for you. And uh, I think he's embracing it. John, what about you? I mean, leadership on this team? What, what do you think? Because Emily makes a good point. There are a lot of names we could throw out there because you look at the, at, at the stat sheet and it, it's full. Well, I think I think at the end of the day, the, the answer is Dylan Jones, um, just because he does so much for he does so much for this team on both ends of the floor. And, you know, he's been the program. Um, uh, this, uh, this is obviously his second year, um, but this team is going to kind of go. In my, in my opinion, it's going to kind of go where he takes it um, for the rest of the year. I mean, I think, and we'll talk about this in a second, but, you know, I think that Kobe McEwen is the, is the best player on this team, but Dylan Jones is the most important because when Weber State has been has been able to go to that small ball lineup and has been able to defend and clear the glass on the defensive end, you know, that's been their, that's been their best stretches all throughout the season. And, you know, it's a tough, tough job to be a six foot six center. It doesn't matter what, you know, league you're playing in all around, you know, in, in, in college basketball, that's a, that's a, that's a tough job. It's a physical job. It's not a job that has a lot of, you know, you know, it's not a lot of flash to it. I mean, you're doing a lot of, you know, grinding and nuts and bolts work, you know, throughout the, throughout the course of the game. Um, so I, I, I really, I really, really do think that I, I really, really do think that it's him. Um, and I, I think that he has been at the end of the day, I think that this team is going to go as far as, you know, him playing, playing at, at him playing in a small ball role. will take it. I, I've said this before on this podcast, but I truly believe that pretty much every team in the country would like to have a Dylan Jones on their roster. Someone who rebounds the absolute heck out of the ball, you know, from, uh, from an undersized position who can, you know, get his own shot, who can create for his other teammates, who is a smart defensive player and rotates the correct way. And he doesn't overhelp, And, you know, he allows, you know, people to be, um, uh, you know, people to play the correct defense all around the, you know, he's always doing his assignment correctly. He is, you know, this team is going to go as far as he takes it. Um, and for that reason, he is the leader of this team. Yeah. A good point though, John, like you said, uh, I was going to, I was going to say like, we've talked a lot about a lot of names here. I do want to shout out Kobe McEwen, because like you said, if you look at, you look at leadership numbers or uh, scoring numbers and lots of numbers across the conference. Kobe's always right there. And a lot of times, you know, when you need a bucket, there's a guy that you go to. And I feel like Kobe has become that person. But I mean, you're right. Dylan Jones is probably the most important player in that. Of course, he can get the bucket, but he's, you know, has these rebounding numbers, has these steal numbers, playing good defense. I mean, a lot, a lot of things. That's why we call him do it all DJ. I think that it's a, it's a nice position to be in that we can look around and say, well, gosh, who is the leader? And, uh, and we can make a case for several people. I mean, that's different from a team from a few years ago where it was very obviously one person and everything sort of revolved around that one person. And then when we got to conference tournament time, you know, it was obvious that the teams needed to shut down that those one or two guys. 
and that uh, they would beat us. And, you know, ultimately that's what happened. Um, so it's nice to have this spread of guys that we can talk about here. Um, we talked a little bit about this a second ago, guys, about the rescheduling thing. And uh, there are going to be a couple of games already rescheduled coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, the Idaho State game has now been rescheduled to next Monday. Uh, the EWU game has been rescheduled for the following Monday, which will give the Wildcats, I think it's two weeks of three, three games per week. So it'll be six games in the span of 14 days. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Does that help or hurt them to play so many in January? So sort of clumped up like that. I mean, what what are your thoughts on these on these reschedules and how it affects them physically? Emily, your thoughts? Um, I don't have the dates in my head, but I know it's going to be like SUU and then UNC, and they're right below. Weber in the standings. And I yeah. think I, those games haven't changed. I think those are the the true dates of them. They haven't been rescheduled, mm-hmm. but I think having all these extra great games around those games and those already being the top two people who are really fighting for that top position with Weber state. I think those are going to be some tough games. I don't know if it's going to help or hurt them. I just think it's going to be something that they're going to have to go through and they're either going to do it really well, or it's, gonna hurt them but i'm not too sure but i think that's definitely gonna be one of the hardest parts for for them it just depends on how well they can do on the road which we'll just have to see yeah i think that uh i have to pull up the schedule really quickly but i think that it goes like you said it's like suu on a thursday northern colorado on a saturday then they have to play eastern washington on a monday then you have to play Montana on a Thursday, I think in the D and then Montana state on a Saturday in the D. So, I mean, that's a, that's the top of the conference right there, right? Just boom, boom, boom. In those two weeks, plus we're throwing in an Eastern Washington game, which has been a very scrappy team. You know, that's a team that beat the, the, the Eastern, the Washington state team that the Wildcats ended up losing by 34 to. And of, of course, Wazoo has, you know, they've, they've taken off since then, but I mean, Eastern got them early and they've been, Eastern has been a very, very scrappy team. That's not a team that you overlook, right? So I think that the net, those two weeks are just going to be super critical for the Wildcats because if they make them through, um, you'll see SUU in Northern Colorado again. Um, but seeing the Grizz and the Bobcats a second time could be good or it could be bad. I, I feel like the team might find a rhythm. I don't know, John, what do you think about that? Like playing that many games in that short span, you know, you sort of just get into maybe a little bit of rhythm of, of just playing and that can maybe be a help. What are your, what do you think? I do think that that could be a help. And, you know, the scheduling, uh, you know, look, six, six games in 14 days in college basketball is tough. Cause I mean, most, most teams are playing, you know, four games, 14 days. And so um, it's, it can be good. It can be bad. If you know, the Wildcats get off to a really good start um, uh, to the, to this stretch, it's like an easy way to keep momentum going and just kind of kick on with the season. But, you know, if there's a slip up maybe against Idaho state or, you know, um, uh, or, you know, early on, you, you don't have as much practice time in order to get ready for the next game. So like, there's that aspect of it as well. I mean, you know, I always kind of, you know, I I like to play a lot of games and it, you know, in, in a, in a, in a, um, in a short span, because I do think that, you know, I do think that the Wildcats can get on a nice little run here. That's going to set themselves up nicely and kind of position themselves for the rest of the season. So, um, 
that's really something that I, that's really something that I would be looking forward to. Um, so, you know, I think that those first those first couple games against Idaho State to kind of kick off that six games in fourteen days. I think I think it'd be really really huge for the Cats to win both of those uh, to to win both of those to kind of get off to that stretch on a good note. And I mean, those, those are very winnable games, right? Like, I mean, no dig against the Bengals, but they're in the basement in the conference right now. Like they just haven't quite found their rhythm. Um, they just haven't been very good. And so two very winnable games for the talent that we know that the Wildcats have, uh, which like you said, John is a, is a nice way to kind of set things up as we go into a tough, a tough road trip where you're going to have to go down to Cedar city to play SUU. Who's like we said, near the top of the conference. Then you're going to have to bus all the way up or, or fly or however they get there. Then you have to go all the way up to Greeley and you're going to have to play a good Northern Colorado team in the bank. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, it's tough. And then the nice thing is at least, and I was going to ask you guys what you thought about this. There's that kind of like, there's that road week, but then you've got home week where you're playing the Grizz, you're playing the Bobcats, but you're playing them in the D. And that always seems to be, I mean, you've, you've done the hard work of going to Montana and playing them both on the road. Now they got to come to you and you get to play in your building where the Wildcats have had much greater success. I mean, what do you think about the fact that those two games are at home? You think that that plays a factor? Well, I think it was really, really nice to get the Montana trip out of the way early. I mean, traditionally, that's been a traditionally that's been a, you know, tough trip for anybody in this conference. So to get that out of the way early first weekend, you you take your split, you come back home and you're like, you know, should have won the game in Missoula. But, you know, if you would have told me before the weekend, we say, all right, we're going to we're going to go one and one. We're going to get a split here. I would have said, thank you very much. Take it, you know, take it back to Ogden. Job well done, everybody. So, you know, that's going to be a big week, though. I mean, when you got Eastern Washington on a Monday and then, you know, the big Montana series um, uh, uh, that weekend. I mean, that those are those are three big games. And if you want to finish first or second in the conference, you know, it'd be really nice to go at least two and one in those. Um, So um, that's going to be an exciting, exciting week for Wildcat fans because it's going to be a lot of good basketball for, you know, you all who are based on the West Coast to see in the D. Unfortunately, I'll just have to be watching it on my 86 inch TV in my in my apartment. But um, uh, no, yeah, no flex or whatever. But uh, but no, I mean, I, I mean, you know, go if you're a wildcat fan, like go get your tickets because like that is going to be, you know, that's, that's, that's three games in five days that are going to be really, really good basketball. So make sure that you're taking advantage of it because there are going to be some good games there. Yeah. So Emily, I mean, like we said, we've seen, we've seen a lot of this wildcat team. Um, We kind of know what they're good at, you know, what the things that they've struggled at, I mean, where do you think the biggest opportunities are for this Wildcat team going into the second half? Like, where do you think that they have this opportunity to improve and they have the skills to do it? Well, um, I think their biggest opportunity is going to be this stretch. Like, like we kind of mentioned, they got really lucky getting the Montana stretch out early. Yeah. And I think that one in one really was just the best answer we could get. Obviously, we wanted the two and oh, but I think knowing what they were able to accomplish on the road versus coming home at the D where they have had that success. I think one of their strongest points has been their 
past successes in this season going into the these upcoming games. I think just knowing they're capable and being in their rhythm right now, I think they're right where they want to be. And it can only go up from here if they if they just keep kind of playing where they are. I don't know if there's too many huge improvements they need to make from what I've watched. So I think if they just get this, this new stretch right under their belt and start early, I think having those, uh, those road games like the Idaho state one, and then the SU and the UNC, I think if they can get those, well, they'll already roll into their Montana state stretch at home, just on a good note. Yeah, I think it, it helps to have this this game against Idaho on Thursday. Uh, Idaho is not not a great defensive team, so it gives the offense an opportunity to kind of you know warm up a little bit, build a little bit of chemistry. Um, one thing to watch though is that Idaho does have a fairly potent offense, and so you know an opportunity for the Wildcats to kind of stiffen up on defense a little bit, which we've seen them do at you know in stretches over the course of this non-conference. Because let's be honest, like. We talked about the rough patch with Dyson and that non-conference rough patch was a lot of teams with length, man. Like now we're in conference. Now we're playing teams that are on, you know, about the same level. And uh, I think that the Wildcats did pretty well against teams that had obvious, you know, size advantages over the Wildcats. And now you're in, in conference play and you're going to, you're going to face some of those. And uh, I think it's going to be, pretty a pretty good opportunity to kind of show that like okay yes we are on this level yes we can do this and so uh, i think it'll and, be and against these big sky opponents like you said it's more like same size like they're playing the same like a more even contest and i one thing to really note about the the men's basketball is you can't really count anybody out there's no one where you get too worried when they're shooting so i think it's a pretty even it's pretty even across the board for the team, which I think really works in their favor. You can't really count anybody out. Okay. Uh, want to wrap this one up by just asking you guys really, really quickly midseason MVP, Emily, who do you got? Who's your midseason MVP? Uh, Dylan Jones. <laughs> Dylan Jones. John King. What about you? Well, I said earlier, I mean, it's going to depend on, you know, it's, it's the classic MVP today debate because do you, do you pick the best player? Cause the best player is Kobe McEwen or do you pick, pick the most important player um, who is obviously Dylan Jones? Uh, I'm going to pick the most important player and say Dylan Jones is the midseason MVP. Yeah. That's, that's my dilemma too, where I'm like, all right, like Kobe really can fill it up. Like he's just absolutely phenomenal when you need a bucket. Uh, he's he's that guy. You look at all the scoring numbers, which when we're talking about conference player of the year, they're going to look at those scoring numbers. They're going to see his name near the top. You know, right now, this Dalen Counts guy who plays for Northern Colorado is is near the top. Um, of course, Kobe McCune is up there. Uh, so that that's one. But then I think about all the other things like we talked about with Dylan, where it's like the rebounding, the steals, you know, the the, the post up play, just the leadership. And I'm like, man. Well, and let me just give one more shout to Kobe McEwen because I, I do think you know this is something that we 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 talked about a lot when he the 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 night that we interviewed him on the show, but he's excellent defensively too. I mean, like yeah. he is a yeah. lockdown perimeter in your face defender, um, and so you know he's no slouch on that end either, um, and he's he's a special, special player, but at the end of the day, you know, with the 
big man struggles that the cats have had all season, you know, like I said earlier, this, this team is really going to be dependent on how Dylan Jones can hold down that five spot um, when this team goes small, in my opinion. And, you know, he is, he is the trigger point of so much of what the Wildcats want to do on both ends of the floor. That's why I think that he's, he's the most valuable player. Yeah. Yeah. Good call out. Cause I mean, we talked a little bit about that in that interview with Kobe McEwen about how, you know, had, been, uh, I think it was like first team all conference defensive player uh, when he was at Utah State. You know, obviously a guy who will stay in front of his man and make make life difficult. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's tough. So looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season holds. Of course, like we said, the Wildcats will be taking on the Vandals on Thursday night in the D. Uh, you have the opportunity to get tickets if you want. WeaverStateSports.com to get them. Um, there have been a lot of promos. You guys notice all these promos? I don't want to hear anybody complain about promos. There have been a promo for just about every game this season that I've seen. So I don't want to hear you guys complain about promos. Plenty of them. Um, so now let's go to our game. Buy or sell. I've got some um, I've got some takes for you guys. I was trying to come up with some takes that would maybe make you squirm, maybe make you kind of think a little bit. So I'm going to give you a take, and you guys can tell me whether you'd buy that or you'd sell that. So the first take is this. Wildcats, there are 17 games remaining for the Wildcats. The Wildcats will win more than 12. So we're talking 12.5 games won. Um, Emily Miller, are you buying or selling that? I'm buying that. Wow, buying more than 12 games. I mean, because I haven't, like, that will be two games against SUU, two games against Northern Colorado, uh, two games, a game apiece against Montana, Montana State. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, we, we just, we just rattle off, you know, what six games right there that are, that could be difficult. That's 11, but Hey, I like it. John King. What about you? 12.5 games. You buying or selling? I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy that as well. Um, and the reason for that is, is, you know, I, I do think that the Wildcats are going to be right up there at the, um, uh, uh, right up there at the end of the year. And, you know, you're going to need to be in that, like, 16 and four, you know, 17 and three, you know, conference, conference schedule, um, uh, um, conference schedule record in order to be, you know, the one or the two seed in my opinion. And so I think that the cats are going to be one of either the first seed or the second seed going in the big sky tournament. And so I think that you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to do better than, 12 year last 17 in order to be in that place. Okay. Bye for both Emily and John on that one. Wow. I thought that would make you guys sweat a little more than that. I should have put it higher. All right. Next one. Wildcats will be fifth or better in assists at the end of the season. They're currently 10th. You think that you see more assists coming out of the squad? Emily Miller, are you buying or selling? I so badly want to buy it, but I, that one kind of makes me sweat. So I'll sell it. I'm only going to sell. I, I can't blame you on that uh, because uh, John noted earlier that, you know, the guards like to slash the basket. Um, that's kind of the game that, that they like to play. Not a lot of assisting in that style of play, uh, but there has been a lot of assisting out of the post uh, out to the three point line. And so who knows if, if more of those shots start falling, you might see those assist numbers climb. John King, what about you? Number five, fifth or better in assists by the end of the season. I think I'm going to sell that one as well for a couple of reasons. Number one, our leading assists 
a sister on the year is um, is Sigu, and he's averaging two point eight assists a game. So um, that is that is definitely an area I'd like to see the the the, the Wildcats kind of improve on as the season goes on, um, along with you know another you know another thing i was you know just looking at the statistics right here but no one really has a great assist to turnover ratio which is such a you know if you watch the nba that's what you know analysts talk about all the time if you're a guard or you're just a ball handler who has the ball in your hand a lot is is that are you making good decisions with the ball and you know like sigu has 42 assists on the year but he just turned the ball over 41 times um jj overton has has 24 assists on the year, but he's turned the ball over 26 times. Um, so a lot of that, like one to one ratio, um, that, you know, I think that as the season goes on, that could be something that, you know, hurts the Wildcats. So I'd like to see, I would really like to see those assist numbers go up as, as, as the season goes on. But so far we really haven't seen any sign that that's going to be the case. All right. Both selling on that one. Can't blame me for that. Um, Next one, the conference player of the year will be a wildcat. Emily Miller, you buying or selling on that one? So that one's also kind of hard for me because it's like I obviously, I'll be honest, I have a hard time paying attention to the other big sky schools. So I'm obviously going to think it's going to be a wildcat. But there are some players like from UNC you had mentioned, and they always look at the scoring. Um, I could easily see a wildcat earning it, though. I could see more than, or I could see there's more than one wildcat I could think of, I guess is the best way to say it. So I would buy it. I would buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely is some competition there. I mean, SU's got a couple of guys who uh, could Northern Colorado, obviously um, wildcats got, I have to, I've got some guys as well. And so, I mean, it could, it could come out of anywhere. I mean, I think that those three squads are probably like, if you were to bet, probably the conference player of the year is going to come from one of those three squads. Probably a pretty good bet, John. What do you think? You buying or selling the conference play of the year is going to be a wildcat. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this one too, and the, and the reason behind that is that I feel like so much when it comes to these conference play of the year things, the writers who are whoever the voters are, um, uh, who who vote on who who vote on this award, they just pick whoever leads the conference in scoring, and mm-hmm. right now you know, our leading scorer, Kobe McEwen is sixth in the conference in scoring. So that's not really a recipe for, and that's no, you know, that's no shot at him. I mean, you know, cause I think I, no, you're not going to find a bigger Kobe McEwen fan than this guy right here. I love watching the guy play, yeah. but, um, uh, that's just how voters seem to vote. I mean, the guy who has the best chance probably to win conference player of the year, and it's been kind of shown in the conference player of the week stuff has been Dylan Jones, just because, you know, he affects the stat sheet on so many different ways. And you could make an argument that, you know, Hey, you know, this, someone like, someone like, um, uh, hold up his, his statistic right now, but like someone like Dylan Coons, I mean, he's pretty much just a scorer. Okay. He averages 19 points a game. He gets four rebounds and he has less than less than three assists per game. So like really he is a scorer at the end of the day. Like that's his one skill. That's the thing that he does. Whereas if you're looking at a guy like Dylan Jones, you're going to say, okay, well he creates for this team. He um, uh, he's going to score, you know, somewhere in that 13 to 15 point range. And he's going to get you 10 rebounds. So he's doing much more on the floor than someone, you know, uh, uh, someone who just 
is going to be a leading scorer type in his uh, um, uh, for for his team. So I think the guy who would have the best chance to probably win it would you know just because I don't think we're going to have the leading scorer in the conference would be someone like Dylan just because he does fill up the stat sheet in so many different ways. <laughs> Solid argument from John King. I think you're right. I mean, I think that the writers, they do focus a lot on the scoring. That's a, that's a big piece, but three conference players of the week with Dylan Jones already to his name uh, halfway through the season. Yeah. He could have a case for it as time goes on. And I think also that like, it's a good point, John, that like sometimes you look at the stat sheet and you go, Oh, well, you know, maybe they, maybe this isn't quite it, but like I look at the Wildcats and I think that they are an absolutely excellent three point shooting team but they had some rough three point shooting games against some really stiff competition in Fresno state and Brigham young and Utah state and Washington state, right? Where it's like that depresses the numbers a little bit. And I look around the conference and I say, well, who else played an out of conference schedule as tough as the Wildcats. And I think that, you know, the Wildcats are going to be right up there. And so those numbers are going to look a little bit depressed on the conference stat sheet, but there's context to that. Right. And so I think that as time wears on, that as we move through conference play, that the quality will kind of show out and that they will find like, oh, yeah, like these guys are actually a cut above and they will prove themselves as we go through conference play. So that was buy and sell. I can't believe I got you guys to buy some of those. I'm really, I'm, I'm impressed. Honestly, I didn't, I, I think you guys were going to sell it all. Like, no, nah, this guy's whack. You're selling it all. So bought a couple. Uh, now let's look, let's look at some upcoming events. Uh, Thursday, January 13th. Like we said, Wildcats will take it on the Vandals of Idaho in the D at 7 PM ESPN plus or one three, one, the wave or show up to the game tickets available at weberstatesports.com. Um, and then uh, that, that two game Idaho state stretch that John mentioned Monday, January 17th in Pocatello at Idaho state 7 PM ESPN plus or one Oh three, one, the wave you can drive up there. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. It's not super far. It is a Monday night though. So that's kind of weird. And then Thursday night, January 20th, the Bengals will be down in Ogden to play the Wildcats 7 PM ESPN plus or one Oh three, one, one, the wave tickets available. Weaver state sports.com. Uh, then Monday, that roadie, that, that roadie that we talked about, Monday at SUU down in Cedar City, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus, a 103 on the wave. And I think Thursday is the is the game where they play against Northern Colorado. But we'll save that for next week. All right, folks, that's our show. Uh, if you want to email us, do it. WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know where to find us. Patreon.com slash WeberStateWeekly. And our website, WeberStateWeekly.com. Any parting thoughts before we wrap this one up, folks? This is your chance. Get to the D. Go see some games. Go see some it's games. A good team. It's a good team and it's fun, man. It's a super fun time. I'm I'm super jealous because I didn't get to nearly as many men's games as I wanted when I was in Utah. Emily, parting thoughts? I mean, we can all agree. Go to the game. You'll see me there. <laughs> go to the game. You'll see Emily there. She's going to be covering the team for the signpost. I want to thank John King and Emily, uh, Emily Miller both for taking some time to chat here on Weber State Weekly. And we'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>